It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Kyle Wade. As president and CEO of the Atlanta Community Food Bank, Kyle oversees the distribution of nearly 70 million pounds of food and grocery products annually through a network of almost 700 local and regional nonprofit organizations that feed those in need across 29 Georgia counties. Prior to joining the food bank, Kyle had several management roles at the Home Depot in disaster relief, corporate responsibility, community affairs, and store operations. He also was part of the management team that created Charity Navigator, the nation's premier charity evaluation service. Kyle is a graduate of Harvard University and resides in Decatur, Georgia, with his wife, Christina, and their three children. Kyle Wade, welcome into the corner office. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Oh, it's great to have you here. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about what's going on, given that this is launching on Giving Tuesday. I know a very important and uh, uh, a very important event in the uh, Atlanta community. And we'll talk a lot about what the food bank does. But we always like to start to hear a little bit about the early years and what brought you uh, to this uh, CEO position. And maybe just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what your early family life was like. Sure. So I, uh, I'm a public school kid from the American South. Um, you know, my family and I, uh, kind of moved around a lot. Uh, when, when I was uh, a kid, I grew up in six different, uh, small towns in the wow. Southeastern United States. Uh, yeah. and so we moved around uh, every few years. My father worked for the, um, uh, for the most part, for the U.S. Uh, uh, Forest Service and Department of Agriculture uh, as a researcher. Uh, he's mm-hmm. uh, trained as an ecologist, and uh, so he would move around to different research facilities, uh, and, and we would go with him. And um, uh, so that, that's kind of where I grew up. I graduated from high school in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, and just had a lot of fun uh, uh, growing up in those different small towns. Uh, playing sports and going to school, and and uh, I had two little brothers uh, who were also part of all that uh, moving around, and uh, and we were a tight knit family. Well, you've got a very mid Atlantic accent, so you must have lost what other Southern twang you had some time ago. Yeah, well, you know, my my father <laughs> and mother both are from West Texas. My dad, in uh-huh. particular, is from El Paso. Right, and if you've ever spent any time in El Paso, uh, you know that the accent out there is more 
uh, like the accent of kind of the Mountain West, right, right or the Southwest, right. uh, yeah, you know, Arizona, yeah. New Mexico, et cetera. So he had a very sort of vanilla accent, and <laughs> I, I probably um, uh, picked up, you know, mimicked his voice more than anybody else. And mom worked at home? Yeah, my mom was a, uh, for the most part, um, she stayed at home with us, but uh, she also worked quite a bit uh, in uh, public school systems. Mm -hmm. uh, as we uh, uh, moved around, she would work in uh, an administrative assistant role at, uh, at uh, you know, the, the central office of different schools. Um, so the high school, she'd be the assistant to the, uh, principal or whatever. And, right. and so she did that and really loved, uh, uh, working with kids and schools, uh, you know, everywhere we lived. Awesome. And you were the oldest of three, it sounds like. Yeah, I was the oldest of three. We were spaced out pretty evenly four years uh -huh. apart in each, uh, direction. And, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I was the oldest, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> you bore the brunt, of course, of a lot of the learnings, I'm sure, for the younger ones. I, I'm the youngest of three brothers, so I know what that's like. <laughs> oh, yeah? I think my younger brothers probably bore the brunt more than I did. To me, it feels harder to be a younger sibling than an older mm. sibling. <laughs> what were the, some of the things that you remember from mom and dad in terms of, you know, inspirations or lessons learned at those early day, in those early years? Yeah, I think uh, a couple things stand out to me um, uh, from my parents that I, that really informed who I am today. I, I think number one is uh, humility. Uh, mm. I think they're both very humble people and um, give credit to others and and aren't don't seek a lot of uh, uh, kind of fanfare recognition for the things that they do. Um, and and that's a big part of who I am. I think right. the second thing is, um, I, I think each of them are, are very uh, 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 kind of empathetic uh, to um, uh, people who have less than us. Just however right. you want to define that. I, I think uh, they kind of each of them in their own way believed in helping out those who are less fortunate and. Uh, and and that informs why I think they um, uh, went into uh, professions that were about service to others. Right, right. Uh, and I think that's what I've done, too. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, I, I think they uh, also are, are the last thing I would hold up is just I think they each uh, exhibited a ton of integrity and. Uh, 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 in the way that they live their lives and, and, uh, just kind of, um, uh, you know, try to, uh, live out, um, uh, truthfully who they are the uh, they every day. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, your career is, is awesome. I mean, I know you've served in both the private and the public sector, but it's always been with a very focus, you know, a big, a big focus on charitable giving and, you know, giving back to the community. So it sounds like they were your models for that in many ways. Yeah, I, I, I for sure think that they, um, helped shape my worldview around, mm. Uh, wanting to um, uh, connect more people with opportunities to be their mm. best selves. And, um, and also kind of a, you know, one of the products of moving around a lot is I think you become an observer um, 
you can be a good observer of sure. uh, some of the larger dynamics that you begin to see play out in the communities where you live, where if you've always lived in the same place, you might be less aware of those things. Right. And right. so moving around a lot, I think it was easy for me to see how um, people of certain backgrounds uh, had greater access to opportunity than others did. Mm. Um, and to see forms of uh, unfairness or privilege show up in the communities where I lived. And uh, and so I think that, too, has uh, kind of shaped uh, uh, what I'm about. You know, I, right. I think I right. am interested in helping to level the playing field for folks. Mm. Excellent. All the moving about, um, you know, were you a good student in school or was that a challenge going from place to place? Yeah, I think the uh, thing that helped me integrate myself in uh, and assimilate in these different communities where I grew up, which were often, you know, small towns in the South are often kind of insular and, um, uh, you know, the people from other places often have a hard time uh, kind of integrating in some of these communities right. uh, has been uh, just my observation. Uh, and what helped me uh, assimilate were two things. One, um, I was really good in school and and uh, uh, to the point really where I could be kind of casual about it. So I was mm. always the kid who finished Didn't the math test super <laughs> fast and um, and then I would uh, help out people sometimes in ways that were not productive for their learning. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, and so I was good in school, so I was known for that wherever I went. And then secondly, I just played a so lot that, of sports. That didn't suffer while you moved around, sounds no, like. No, no, no. I, yeah. was, I, was, I was a, a really good student. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I was in some ways really lucky. I, I think I was naturally. Came easier to. Uh, yeah, yeah I, it was, school was easy for me. Um, and my, my parents certainly placed a lot of value in education and were very, uh, interested and invested in how well I did. Um, and, you know, so, so that always, uh, worked out for me. Awesome. Um, the other thing that I, I allowed me to really assimilate in these communities is I played a lot of sports growing yeah. up. What kind uh, of sports were you into? Uh, so I, I played uh, football and, and, uh, baseball all the way mm. through high school. And then, um, I also played basketball up through about 10th grade, mm. you know, on our different school teams. So yeah. I, I, I just, I was about sports all day long, every day. And, and, uh, that was a great way to kind of build a community, right. uh, wherever I lived, you know, it was just a way to kind of, again, integrate myself into new places. Other interests, sports, music, theater, anything like that? I mean, uh, you know, growing up, I was kind of interested uh, mostly in sports and, right. uh, um, you know, I did, uh, uh, other things along the way. I, you know, I got interested in, um, uh, politics. Some, um, I, I, I definitely, uh, uh, enjoy, you know, I, I was, a I, we went to church and so church was a, a big part of my life yeah. for a while. I, I uh, was in the Boy Scouts for mm. um, up through about tenth grade. Um, yep, up through about tenth grade. Um, you know, so I, I was involved. Them were 
uh, a, a distant second to sports and right. school and, right. and doing well in school. Were there some pretty important coaches and teachers that uh, inspired you along the way? And if so, in, in what way? <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I would say there wasn't a, a single, you know, one or two really dominant influences there. I just, mm -hmm. I think I was um, uh, blessed to have uh, positive influences from a, from a variety of coaches and teachers um, you know, as I grew up, um, I had, I had good teachers and, and, a, a variety of schools who made an impact on me in one form or another. And, and, um, you know, I think I had a, a teacher in high school, uh, Mrs. Benson, who, mm -hmm. uh, um, was really, uh, she was a math teacher and, and I think saw, uh, something in me and took an interest in me and, and, um, helped, uh, you know, knock me around when I needed to be knocked around, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was doing knuckleheaded things. And, and, um, so she, she was, uh, really good at, uh, challenging me and, and also, uh, kind of keeping me in the road. And, uh, and then uh, on the football side, you know, I had a, I had a baseball coach, um, uh, in high school who, uh, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with, you know, for a couple of years, uh, uh we, it was a summer league traveling mm. team and, um, a lot uh, of time on the road. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, we would just be together for hours, you know, our team would be, and we were pretty close as a team and, um, and we would hang out after our ball games as a group and, um, and I just really enjoyed spending time with him. And, uh, you know, we talked more about baseball than anything, you know, right. uh, 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 but I, I think kind of, a he, he helped shape sort of my ability to get really sort of dedicated to something and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, and work hard at it and, and get better and better and just sort of keep at it, uh, in a, in a really positive way. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned church was an important part of, of your growing up. Is that something that's continued on as uh, you grew into an adult? Yeah. So my wife and I, we we are members of a, a church here in Midtown mm -hmm. Atlanta, All Saints Episcopal Church. It's a great old Atlanta church. Um, and uh, we've been going there for a few years and our kids nice. are involved in the church. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a it's a, a really welcoming community, uh, mm. uh, the church we're part of. Um, it's got a great kind of history of, of openness and, and uh, being welcoming to um, a variety of different uh, groups who have not always been welcomed uh, right. in kind of mainline Protestant churches. And, and so uh, we're, uh, uh, we really appreciate the community and, and, uh, the way it's having a positive impact on the lives of our kids. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Help, helps to keep the the true north and the guard north and the guardrails in place, particularly for the younger ones. As they I think up. so, right? It just connects yeah. them to a bigger vision of the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our our kids, uh, I think we're, we're fortunate in this way. Um, uh, I just, I don't know, they were just sort of born this way. They just have a... Um, uh, really sort of empathetic uh, 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 orientation in the way that mm -hmm. they interact with people and 
uh, just very caring and and uh, think about um, uh, how they can serve others and That's and awesome. uh, so uh, I, and the church reinforces that. Yeah, sounds like it's part of the way DNA. <laughs> Perhaps you know. Again, I think you know some of it's just good luck, but. Well, the community is important, right? The community is important. Yeah. That's right. Growing up, um, you know, did you get involved in in social consciousness? Were you a volunteer, you know, during those middle school, high school years? Was that important to you then? Were you doing more entrepreneurial things? How did you, you know, outside of sports, which sounds like it was pretty dominant, were there other areas that you were involved with that kind of helped solidify your commitment to community? I, you know, I would say that the the commitment to community was not necessarily um, outside of the stuff we did at church, the stuff we did in Boy Scouts. Um, you know, not a huge part of my um, uh, life growing up. I, I think, um, you know, I, I would just uh, do what other kids did. Right. Um, uh, so I, I, it's not like I was leading the um, the volunteer group at school to go do a bunch of projects or, you know, like some amazing kids do today. I, I think I kind of came at that l- later and I came at it from yeah. a point of view of, hey, there's just a, some of these kids that I spent a lot of time with kind of sweating and 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 bleeding and fighting, you know, on the sports field, you know, you get past high school and you see kind of what life prospects that they have and what sort of opportunities that they've been um, able to access. And, and you feel a certain amount of unfairness around that. Right. And so for me, I got to it through a lens of just sort of fairness and justice later in life. Awesome. And uh, you went to college, went to Harvard, from what I understand. Yep, yep. How did you decide that's where you wanted to go? And, and what did you study there? So, uh, you know, I, I think I was kind of naive. In some ways, my parents were kind of naive around the whole college process. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I look around today at the kind of um, uh, incredible intensity with which uh, kids and families are trying to figure out where to go to school and right. sort of fighting for a, a spot in a good school. It's a different and, world. <laughs> uh, it's a different world than the one yeah. I grew up in. And, yeah. and you know, again, I, I was doing well. I did really well as a student um, and on certain standardized tests. And, and I was in Mississippi when I graduated. So, um, you know, there were fewer of those people in Mississippi who were doing right. that well and and so I you know I got recruited uh, recruiting information uh, from a lot of schools um, you know uh, encouraging me to apply uh, and so I picked out six that kind of sounded good and uh, got into five of them uh-huh. um, and uh, and Harvard was one of them and yeah. I'm like well they that seems to be a pretty great place. I'll go there. And <laughs> did you go and visit? Uh, during I didn't visit there team? until wow. I uh, uh, showed up. You know, wow. on day one. So yeah. I went sight unseen. And um, yeah, that's just a. Uh, it's not 
probably how we're going to do it with our kids. Yeah, but, it was the way it was done uh, then. Yeah. But that's that's how we did it. And, yeah. you know, most of the kids I went to school with at Harvard had visited before right. uh, they arrived. Uh, I would say the vast majority of them. Uh, but uh, that's just the way it worked for me. You know, I got on a plane with a bunch of suitcases and and showed up at Logan Airport in Boston <laughs> and and uh, and figured out how to get to campus and and uh th there i was for four years yeah what did you study i was an english major mm -hmm. yeah. um and uh so i was in in college my my big activities were uh i was an english major i was i uh, was on the literary magazine mm. kind of staff and leadership and um, uh, you know, I got involved with a few other things, but th th that, that was the main thing that I was involved in. Awesome. And what was the first job you took out of college? Did you do internships along the way? Was there, you know, tipping your toe in the water in a little bit in a couple of different areas? Or uh, did you kind of just work your way through and come back home during the I, summer? I kind of worked my way through it. And then um, uh, the, 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 so I got a, a right after college, um, I went to a creative uh, writing program oh. at the University of Arizona. Awesome. Uh, and got a master's of fine arts at the writer's workshop there. And, and mm. for a long time, I thought I was going to be a writer. Yeah. Uh, and kind of write about some of these things that I was uh, mm. preoccupied with around uh, issues of race and, yeah. and injustice. And, and, um, and somewhere along the way, I realized, A, um, I don't actually like sitting at a computer by myself all day, mm -hmm. um, you know, writing and B, I don't have that many great stories to tell. So, um, I, uh, you know, even though I kind of went through that program and completed it successfully, I, I knew as I was leaving that I was not going to be a writer right. as a career. And, um, as the, time to leave was kind of uh, approaching, um, I kind of stumbled on Teach for America, mm. which is a great national nonprofit organization that many people know today. Uh, but at the time, it was it was a much smaller organization. Not as many people knew about it. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know that I would get in today to Teach for America, <laughs> but uh, much like I don't think I would get into Harvard today. Uh, but um, uh, then I did. And, and it, for me, just represented the sort of the perfect, um, opportunity to, to, uh, get a job and, and get paid to do something that, um, would help kind of give back to those kids that, yeah. um, I had grown up with, right. uh, you know, just as simple as that. And, and so it's not like I had a, a particular passion for wanting to teach per se, but I, I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted mm -hmm, to help out mm -hmm. those kids that I had grown up with. And so I got um, uh, sent to Compton, California and oh, wow. uh, taught for a couple of <laughs> years there. And, and, and along I grew the up way, in Southern Cal, and for those that haven't, Compton's probably one of the toughest spots to teach in California, right? Yeah, at at the time, you know, Compton was in receivership. You know, meaning yeah. the state had taken over the school district, and um, you know, they were just having all sorts of challenges. 
you know, you know people think about Compton because it kind of became uh, uh, associated with uh, uh, gang activity right. and and uh, the rap industry <laughs> and the rap industry. But you know, Compton's a, a much more um, uh, nuanced community. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it was a, at the time I was there, it was just a, a town, a city that had had, had gone through a tremendous times. change yeah. over a really yeah. short period of time, um, uh, demographically, economically, and uh, and the in addition to some of the violence and and. Um, and the other challenges of uh, poverty uh, that existed there, uh, you know, it was it was uh, just trying to uh, kind of catch a breath on all the change that it had uh, endured, and and that was right. reflected in the erosion of a lot of their sort of public institutions, you know, corruption at city hall, uh, corruption in the school system. Um, and which led to really negative outcomes for the for the kids who were already coming uh, to school with a lot of baked in challenges. Right, right, yeah. Well, today you're you're president and CEO of the Atlanta Community Food Bank, and and today is Giving Tuesday, and we want to hear a little bit about that. We're actually recording this right before Thanksgiving, but it's going out uh, at that very important date, and I want to talk a, a little bit about that. But it sounds like just you know your career really did start in community service. I know that you spent some time with Home Depot in a variety of positions. What, what kind of got you to Atlanta? Tell us about that trajectory. Yeah, well, I think the short answer to that is my wife got me here to Atlanta. <laughs> um, you know, she grew up here, and, and uh, we were trying to figure out where we would want to uh, kind of put down roots. I, mm. I think, given my experience growing up, I did. I, I think, given my experience growing up, I did not want uh, kids to um, uh, kind of grow up moving all over the place. As we nomads. really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, right get rooted somewhere. And we were trying to pick a good place to do that. And it kind of came down to, uh, we could kind of go to DC and maybe get involved in political, the political universe or, Mm -hmm. um, Atlanta where she was from and had family here. And, um, and it's back in the South and, and we, we, we picked Atlanta, and I think we've been here 16 years and don't regret yeah. it for a day. I mean, we love the city and um, and uh, all the ways in which it's continued to change and evolve. Right. You know, Atlanta has its challenges, but it's also got lots and lots of great positive things that are uh, making it a great place to live. So did the Home Depot uh, opportunity come to you after you moved to Atlanta? Yeah, so... Uh, uh, prior to coming to Atlanta, uh, I had done a few other things in the nonprofit world. Um, uh, one of them was I helped start the organization Charity Navigator, mm-hmm. uh, which many uh, people will know uh, yeah. as the sort of largest uh, online evaluator of the financial health of nonprofits around the country. And um, I was employed. I, I served on the board of Direct Relief International out of Santa Barbara for several years, and we were very okay. proud to always be at the top of Charity Navigator's list. So, yeah, that's a yep. fantastic organization. Yeah, and uh, so I was employee number two at Charity wow. Navigator, and I uh, was there on you know from the beginning, and uh, was 
so I was in the nonprofit world and wanted to kind of stay there. Uh, we decided to move to Atlanta, uh, assuming I, I would find a role here once I got here, right. uh, which I did. I, I, I worked at another, another nonprofit uh, for a couple of years after I got here. Uh, but along the way, I really, uh, as I was bumping into other people kind of in that uh, uh, phase of life when you're in your early uh, 30s um, and people are kind of taking on bigger roles and uh, more leadership responsibility in bigger companies, some of the work that they were doing was really interesting and mm. they were th and things that I didn't know how to do and didn't think that I could learn uh, uh, by continuing to work in uh, you know mid-sized nonprofit Purely organizations. Nonprofit. Yeah. Right. And I thought that you know ultimately I w wanted to be in a role kind of like the one I have today mm. um, but felt like for me to get there, for me to be effective once I got there, that learning some of that stuff would be helpful. So I said, well, you know, I can either kind of go get an, uh, an MBA right? or, you know, I can try to do Who's that. Who's big in sort Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, I could go work for a company then have yeah. sort of an MBA on the job. Right, and, right. Um, and so, you know, I was lucky enough to have some people in the city who uh, took an interest in me and uh, helped helped me connect with some folks over at uh, Home Depot. And uh, I landed there and worked there for seven years in a, in a number of different jobs. Mm, fantastic. And yep. is that how you found out about the, um, the Atlanta Community Food Bank? Yeah, so the Atlanta Community Food Bank was, we've been around now for 40 years. Wow. And we were founded by this guy, Bill Bowling, who... If you're from Atlanta, you know who he is. Mm -hmm, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. he's just an an iconic uh, nonprofit leader in the city, and he was someone that when I moved to Atlanta was trying to network with folks uh, in the nonprofit world. And he was somebody who I needed to. Uh, everybody said you need to go meet you Bill. Get to know so, him. Yeah, right. so I was I, he running the food bank at that time. Yes. So okay. I reached out to Bill when we first moved here in 2003 and he, you know, took my call and, and uh, met me for lunch mm. and we kind of stayed in touch over the years. Um, uh, you know, we weren't super close, but we had stayed in touch and, right. um, and, uh, you know, I, at some point knew I wanted to get back to the nonprofit space uh, at the time, I was a store manager for Home Depot mm. uh, in a very operationally intense role. And uh, so I had started networking with some other people in the nonprofit world, you know, to kind of say, hey, I'm interested in coming back, uh, uh, you know, so. If where you, are the opportunities? You know, yeah. where are the opportunities? And uh, that got back to Bill. And one day he called me and said, mm -hmm. hey, look, I'm. I need somebody to run operations at the food wow. bank. And six months later, I was at the food bank. That's fantastic. So you came in reporting to him. You were one of his VPs. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it was at a time where he was already anticipating his uh, retirement. Retirement, right. Mm -hmm. um, and and he didn't hire me to be his successor, but he was hiring a couple of other senior leaders to kind of strengthen 
the a few horses uh, in the race. <laughs> well, that and and yeah. uh, uh, and just to strengthen the senior team sure. to help, regardless of whether or not the um, uh, the the successor would be among that group. Right. Uh, he wanted Strength to ensure that we had a strong team in place yeah. to help. Yeah steady the ship as we went through what would be a really disruptive right. uh, transition. You know, right. uh, when you have a founder for 36 years, <laughs> incredible, uh, who is, again, just sort of beloved in the community yeah. and beloved by everybody around the food bank. Right. right. You know, that's a, that's a big that's, transition. Those are big shoes to step into. <laughs> well, and it, and it often doesn't go well, you know, more right. often than not, it doesn't go well. Um, and so I, I think having a good senior team in place was a strong team in place was really important to help steady the ship as we went through that. And, and, um, uh, and, and so I was part of that, uh, transition. And then you became his successor or was there an interim? No, I was the successor. We went through a Uh search process and, uh, you know, I think, um, the board kind of, uh, uh, you know, had a, a moment of, uh, just absent-mindedness and, uh, oh, right. selected me for the role. And I'm sure there were many, many great, great candidates and, uh, but they landed on me and I, and I, you know, it's, was a, a tremendous vote of confidence, uh, from them and, uh, cause they already knew how I was and, right. and right. for them to sort of entrust me with that great responsibility, of following of Bill's footsteps and leading the organization forward, uh, meant a lot to me personally. Uh, the board's been unbelievably supportive, uh, uh, to me in these first four years since I took over. Mm. Uh, and we've had great success, you know, we've, yeah. uh, uh, really move the organization forward. We continue to grow our um, uh, volume of food that we distribute. Right. Uh, we've increased our revenue significantly. We've uh, adopted a really big, ambitious strategy. We've uh, completed a $50 million capital campaign. Wow. Uh, we're building a new headquarters and distribution center that we're moving to uh, in a couple months. And uh, you know, that's a, that's a lot to get done, uh, in addition to the other things we've done, uh, in a relatively short period of yeah. time. And we couldn't have done that had we not had great alignment and support and buy-in from the board. Right. Terrific. Well, Kyle, tell us just briefly a little bit about the Food Bank's mission and, and importantly, Giving Tuesday, which, uh, this, uh, podcast is being launched on. Sure. So the Atlanta Community Food Bank is one of the largest hunger relief organizations in the country. Mm. Uh, we support a network of 700 partner organizations. So mm. think about churches or schools or healthcare facilities or other mm. nonprofits. Uh, and those partners get food from us and distribute it to people in their local communities who need help. Mm. Um, uh, annually, we distribute through that network about uh, 63 million meals wow. uh, to 750,000 people across 29 counties. And that's uh, just the greater Atlanta area. It's just uh, Metro Atlanta and North Georgia. Wow. Um, so it's, you know, it's a big, massive kind of food distribution operation. Right. Um, uh, but in addition to that, we're also doing a variety of things to to work on public policy and advocacy. 
to uh, provide nutrition education uh, programming to the people we serve, uh, to uh, connect uh, families with uh, additional uh, resources uh, beyond the food that we distribute. Um, and uh, all of that is aimed at uh, helping to uh, close the meal gap in our community. Mm. Uh, we also have a very robust uh, volunteer program that engages mm. about 30,000 volunteers a wow. year. Fantastic. Uh, and we have just tremendous support from across the community financially. Mm. Um, so certainly we get uh, big checks from big donors in the uh, corporate and foundation community. Uh, but we really are proud of the fact that we have we also have 30,000 individual donors who support us often with really um, uh, relatively small contributions. Mm. Um, and those relatively small contributions add up uh, to a tremendous amount of support uh, for our mission. Imagine. Uh, Giving Tuesday is really important as yeah. a way for uh, people to help be part of that effort. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're very proud of, uh, going connecting back to the Charity Navigator uh, topic, you know, we're a four-star Charity Navigator mm -hmm. Uh, organization and had been for nine consecutive years. Congratulations. Uh, there's only 3% of the nonprofits that they evaluate that have earned a four-star rating for that long a period of time consecutively. Right. Uh, and we get that rating because we're really good at um, ensuring that your support gets used uh, to great uh, 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 purpose. Right. Uh, if every dollar that gets donated to us helps us provide up to four meals to people in need across the mm. community. And on Giving Tuesday uh, today, uh, every dollar that's contributed online at our website, acfb.org, mm. uh, is being matched by uh, one of our corporate partners, a, a group called Medlytics. Wow. Um, uh, Arvind and Tony over there are, are big believers in the food bank. And so they're matching uh, contributions to the food bank on Giving Tuesday dollar for dollar. And uh, so that means every dollar you give uh, really provides up to eight meals uh, wow, to people in need. Terrific. So it's a great opportunity to really... Yeah. Uh, have a big impact uh, in in connecting uh, families in our community uh, with the food they need to be successful. Kyle, what's that website again? Can you share that with us? It's ACFB, uh, Apple. Atlanta Community Food Bank. Yeah, right? Atlanta Community Food Bank. Dot .org. .org. Or you can just Google Atlanta Community Food Bank, and I'm sure that will come up. That'll get you there. Fantastic. Well, Kyle, we're just about out of time, but there's always a couple of questions I'd like to ask uh, before we let you go. You know, there's a lot of folks who have a real heart for their communities uh, nationwide. And, uh, you know, you've been a part of volunteerism for so many years. It sounds like you've, you're grooming that with your children. But when, you know, you're hiring people, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in? Uh, that's a great question. So um, I think, you know, I I look for a couple things. One, uh, I look for humility. Mm. Um, two, I look for uh, optimism. You know, I want uh, people on our team to really just have a, an, an innate sense of possibility. 
glass half full about <laughs> uh, the work that we're doing because the work we're doing is hard. You know, I mean, right. you know, we're fighting a problem that's been with us forever and always, mm. and and probably will be for uh, as long as we uh, can imagine. Um, so we need optimistic uh, people. Um, and then, you know, I want people who are uh, resourceful, you know, that mm. are able to um, really, uh, you know, uh, overcome adversity and persevere yeah. in spite of it. Right. So those are, those are the three things I look for, for sure. Very important. Lastly, uh, what career and life advice, Kyle, would you give to someone that, you know, has their eyes on joining a nonprofit and perhaps uh, leading it someday as, as you did it once upon a time? You know, I think, uh, I, I think the thing that I've been thinking about a lot, uh, lately is just the idea of, um, we all want to work with urgency and feel like we're on our career clock or, mm. or, or what have you to kind of get to the, uh, the next thing as quickly as possible. And that's uh, mirrored in our personal lives. You know, we're, right. we're all racing around trying to fill up our kids' schedules as uh, much as we possibly can and connect them with all the opportunities they need. and Preparing the resumes uh, for college. <laughs> yeah, uh, when they're seven. Yeah, and, right, um, right. <laughs> and, you know, so we're all doing those things. We're kind of caught up in that sort of treadmill and, uh, you know, I think what I've been trying to remind myself of lately is that you just got to take a breath and, and mm. take the long view. Um, you know, the, the, what we're trying to accomplish at the food bank and what I'm trying to accomplish individually, you know, that's, that's a generational effort. Yeah. Uh, and, um, so I think, uh, you know, you want to kind of measure your progress against that yardstick. Mm -hmm. uh, and if that's the way you're thinking about it, you've got to also um, find other ways to to be um, uh, encouraged about your progress right. uh, along the way. And, and so I, I think um, having patience and a long view and taking mm -hmm. a breath on uh, what you're trying to accomplish and where you're going uh, can be uh, uh, freeing, you know, uh, and uh, allow you to really uh, uh, enjoy and appreciate what you're involved in today. You enjoy know, what ride, impact, the yeah, what, yeah, what impact you're having today is really yeah. important yeah. and, uh, and appreciate it and, and, uh, you know, value it because, uh, it's going to take a long way to kind of really, you know, finish the race. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listen, Kyle Wade, thank you so much, President and CEO of the Atlantic Community Food Bank. We really appreciate you sharing your journey into the corner office and more about uh, your fantastic organization. And for all of you out there uh, on this Giving Tuesday, as we go into the, the giving season, let's all remember to be grateful. And if you're capable, uh, see if you can you know, give some to the food bank. They're doing wonderful work down in Atlanta. And again, you can either Google Atlantic Community Food Bank or A C, let me get that right, fb.org. Is that right, Kyle? That's it. All right. Once again, thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, have a great rest of your holiday season. Absolutely. Bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.